I'm Libby Rothschild, former clinical dietitian who transformed into a full-time virtual business owner. It was only one year ago when I made $55,000 a year in my clinical job. And now I make $100,000 a month being my own boss. And you can do this too. My clients, who are all female dietitians and students, started from zero and created six-figure, multi-six-figure businesses by following my proven method. And they've all been guests on air. My proven method shows you how to attract cash paying clients using social media marketing strategies that work. You don't have to guess, waste time, or hold yourself back when you follow my step-by-step method. Today's episode features Alma Simmons, a registered dietitian and client of mine who has followed my method to niche down her message and get more clear with the clients that she's attracting on social media marketing. Alma, if you could just introduce your social media handle so we can make sure to follow and find you and say hello to you on online. Sure. I am on Instagram as nutrition.with.alma and Facebook, Alma Simmons, RDN. Those are my two media handles right now. Fantastic. And I want to know, especially because you were born and raised in Mexico City, right? Mexico city. I'd like to Mm -hmm. learn a little bit more about your journey. I know about it, but I know that for uh, dietitians listening, they might not realize that when you are from another, you know, country that there are, you know, you have to redo things. So if you could talk about that story and and your experience. Well, I, so I graduated in 2003. I know that's the stone age. Um, but I, I actually got my degree until 2005. So Things are a little bit different in Mexico because you have to do what's called a social service, which is pretty similar to a dietetic internship, which is working for free. But you do a a social service. And then I did another seminar to obtain my degree. So I got my actual license in 2005. Um, I became a licensed nutritionist from Mexico. That's our title. But flashback to 2001, that was my junior year in college. So I I met my significant other. So we've been married for 14 years now. I met him in Mexico. He was studying abroad from the Ohio State University. And uh, the, the funny part of the story is that we actually met because of my dad. My dad happened to be the co-director of the program and and so yes that we have a lot of fun stories <laughs> but that's, that's real, that uh, is really fun yeah <laughs> so so anyway we did this whole long distance dating for a few years and you know this was back in the day where we didn't even have social media so we yep. pretty much did like email and messenger and phone calls but um he graduated one year before me he graduated in 2004 and he got a job immediately after so that's kind of why it was determined that we were going to, you know, move to, to Columbus. So I actually moved here not knowing that I had to go through all of these, you know, the, these setbacks. And I found out that I needed to complete a dietetic internship. So kind of do it all over again and take more classes and apply for an internship, pass the registration exam. So that became very discouraging, but I started that process of uh, translating my transcripts. Um, and I went to a DPD director at the Ohio State University, and she determined that I needed to take seven more classes 
So I took those classes and, and then I applied for a dietetic internship. Fortunately, I matched an internship. I matched at the Ohio State University. And then I finally, I, I did get an internship. It was in 2012. Mm-hmm. So I officially became a registered dietitian in 2013. Okay. So as a recap, you were a dietitian in Mexico. And then when you moved here with your husband and got married yes. in America, you had to redo seven classes to become a dietitian yes. and redo the internship here. So mm-hmm. you were a dietitian times two. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> All right. So yeah, that, yeah, that's definitely quite the story. And you're not the first person that I've heard that experience from. So can you fast forward and we're going to get to social media and how you use it and what you do now, but I want to talk a little bit about your journey. So after you became a dietitian here and sat into the internship again in America, can you talk a little bit about what you did as far as your work in the field and like, yeah, share some experiences. Sure. Um, sure. So, so one of my, my very first jobs here was, and in the field of nutrition, I wasn't credentialed yet. Um, I taught um, healthy living courses, a healthy cooking class for a nonprofit with the Latino community. Yeah. And because I couldn't practice as a dietitian, I worked as a medical interpreter at Children's Hospital and I actually got to, you know, to meet a, a lot of people and, and to meet actually the director of the Women, Infants, and Children program. And that was kind of my first job as a dietitian, too. But during that period of time from 2007 to 2012, I was working part-time as a medical interpreter. Um, I also became a mom and I was a student. So it was uh, juggling many things. So after I had my first son in 2009 and I stopped while well, I was working full-time, part-time, then full-time at WIC. And then I decided to take a break when I had my second son, but I easily transitioned back into working very part-time in 2014 and started doing gestational diabetes education. So uh, that was a, a job that I truly enjoyed. But unfortunately, I had to resign because that, that's a, a job where I was asked not to talk to my English, no, my Spanish speaking patients in Spanish that I needed to use an interpreter, which was very humiliating. And, you know, I'm fortunate because their hospital policies weren't written in a way that, you know, to explain that I wasn't interpreting, I was delivering the message in the target language because I am a bilingual provider. I'm not an interpreter. Um, so that, that was unfortunate. I, I really enjoyed that job, but that kind of led me into the next job and um, working with more diabetes. I thought that I was going to do more diabetes education, but I ended up being the program manager for a, weight, a medical weight loss program. And, and, and ooh, yeah. I know you have good stories about that one too. So yeah. can you, can you yeah. talk about <laughs> So first of all, just as a recap, what you're saying is that you were humiliated because as a bilingual, you know, provider and dietitian, they didn't let you speak to patients in the native tongue. They made you go through and act like you didn't know the language because of some... They they wanted me to use an interpreter basically, and they did it. And that really messed up several appointments between, you know, the patient and I, because we were both you know, native speakers, and we wanted to speak in our our language, and I had to speak English, and 
you know, the patients looked at me like, what, why are you doing this now? <laughs> so how did that, how did that affect your psychology? Like what did that do? Oh, it was, it was awful. It, yeah. it, it was awful because I, I've, I'd never actually been, you know, put in that situation before. Yeah. And I, I felt that it was very unfair and, you know, my, my boss didn't support me. Uh, she kind of went with the, the interpreting department and, and, and I understand, I mean, I com- I completely understand hospital policies are a little strict and some of them are not well-written, but I, I actually asked for a competency test. I said, I, I worked as a medical interpreter. You can yeah. put me through a competency test and I'll, and I'll, you know, I was a hundred percent sure about that. And, and they kept, they kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And until I said, mm, sorry, no, no more. So you left the job because you felt that humiliated that they didn't yeah. like to speak in your native language. And it's exactly. actually a hindrance to your ability to build rapport. So every time you had to talk to a patient, you were humiliated at the fact that you couldn't speak the language you both knew and it like caused extra time and anxiety. I can't imagine exactly. how, how frustrating and angry that would make you. It just seems very unfair and unethical to make you do that. Yeah. And, and from having, you know, I always taught courses in English and Spanish too, with, and I worked with the Latino community. And after that experience, that kind of shut me down and like, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, work with the Spanish speaking community because it has caused more problems than um, like me being bilingual has not been like a huge advantage for me. I don't know if I, you know, if, <laughs> if this makes any sense, you would think that it would, it's a high demand job and they'd right. be, you know, looking for me, but it hasn't been the case, at least in, in, in Columbus. Okay. And so I went the complete opposite way. And when I applied to this other job, I only saw English speaking patients, like only English speakers. So, <laughs> and then, and then walk us through uh, what happened in the weight loss clinic and how was that experience in, you know, how did that work for you? Yeah. Well, I first applied because it is an endocrinology office. So I thought, Oh, you know, they're going to allow me to do some diabetes education. And in my interview that it was stated that I could do nutrition counseling too. So I said, Ooh, yay. You know, I, I have a shot here. And, and so I enjoyed the nutrition counseling part, but the weight loss part, I, I became very depressed and, and disappointed because, well, first, I, the first year I learned a lot. I learned everything about weight loss. I, I learned the science of weight loss, which was very interesting. And there I was celebrating the success stories with all the patients that lost, you know, a crazy amount of weight. But then the next year they were coming to me with a regain. And, and that was, you know, very depressing. I know that I couldn't really handle all of that uh, responsibility uh, because it took more than one clinician to address these issues. Um, when you're talking about morbid obesity, it needs to be addressed with a multidisciplinary team. And I was doing it all on my own. So I really couldn't be the, the dietitian, the psychologist, the nurse, the teacher, so it it was very very hard on me, and I hit bottom. There was a, a breaking point, 2018, the winter spring of 2018. I went through some health issues and personal um, issues with the with the burnout of the job too, and I decided to to take a break from yeah. from working because it wasn't working for me. 
And so yeah. that year I, I, I took the summer off to go see my family in Mexico with my kids and kind of regroup. And I, I've always had, you know, the thought of starting a, a private practice. It just didn't, you know, come together. I had a lot of setbacks. So. And, and I appreciate you sharing those because I think that they're normal. I've had them and a lot of the listeners have had them various reasons, you know, that have taken you a while to get to where you are now. So given that you have a private practice and you're growing it now, and we can talk a little bit about that a little bit more in depth. Can you talk about, you know, a little bit more when you were applying for jobs or some of the reasons why it took you a little bit of time or it took you a, what, uh, as long as it did now for you to start Instagram and take it seriously so that you can build the practice on your terms versus um, on the terms of a hospital policy or you know, being put in a position where you don't have enough staff and help to support the patients and their goals. And that puts you at an unfair disadvantage and causes burnout. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, yeah. And I think, so it's been a little bit of everything for me, you know, from the time um, that, you know, I moved to a different country, I think I've had a lot of setbacks. And even though I am, you know, fluent in English, it is still my second language. Sure. And so the, the, the process of, of understanding, like, even, even the thought of building a private practice was overwhelming for me. Part, I think most has to do with, with programming, with how you're raised, how you're taught. I think I come from a very uh, overprotective family. Yeah. And, um, and, and being, you know, having grown up in Mexico where there's really not a lot of job security, we were taught that, you know, if you get a job, you embrace it and you hold on to it. And, you know, you stay there. It doesn't matter if you like it or not, but you have to work hard and, and keep your job and be good at it. And that's funny because when, you know, my husband's family has a similar, a similar background, you know, of when you get a job, you work very hard and, you know, work very hard until you retire and, you know, embrace your job because that's what you went to school for. So entrepreneurship in our family was kind of like, you know, a taboo. We don't speak about that. We don't, we don't talk about it. It's just, it's, it's for other people, you know, who are. I, I don't know, but it makes perfect sense. So there was some familiar upbringing, some sounds like some cultural things growing up. Mm-hmm. And then let's also talk about how school and the way, we, you know, I mean, you have two, uh, I guess, degrees or experiences as a dietitian, both in, you know, Mexico and the United States. How did that experience either hinder or support your thought process about doing it on your own? I understand that you, you know, grew up in an environment where they didn't necessarily support entrepreneurs or it wasn't top of mind, but what about what school taught or conditioned you? So with school, like I knew, actually I knew coming out of school in Mexico and I did my internship in an outpatient setting because in Mexico, you actually do your, your internship in one place. It's Mm -hmm. not here. Like, you know, you do different rotations on your internship you do it in one place and you do clinical rotations while you are in school after you, uh, um, after your junior year. So I knew coming out of school that I did not want to be in the clinical field. And when I did my internship, like that really, that reinforced that idea. Like I really do not want to be in the clinical field. So you're not left with many options at that point. And I knew I always thrived more as an educator rather than a clinician. I've always enjoyed teaching. 
you know, if you ask me what, what I would choose as a dream job right now, I would actually teach. <laughs> but I, I've come to realize that as dietitians, our credential, it gives us 100% job security, but it doesn't give us 100% job satisfaction as, as, as dietitians. So if you're looking for that satisfaction, for 100% job satisfaction, you have to create the job. You really have to, you have to create the job and, and you have to look for ways to create that job because I don't think you'll, you'll ever find it. And and that's a great progression for talking more about what you've decided to create and how you've come to what you do on social media and creating an opportunity to serve women, serve moms and Mm -hmm. take, you know, your expertise and passion and bring that out, uh, you know, and expand your message and your visibility online. So can you talk about that process and, and how that brings you satisfaction and how you've yes. been able to connect with other people, you know, like myself and, and yes. talk, talk a little bit about that journey. Yeah, I, it took, it took more than I wanted to, to start, you know, getting myself out there and to come out of my shell and break through that comfort zone. Sure because uh, I just started exploring this world last year. And finally, my sister was the one that motivated me. It's like, well, you, you know, if you want to, if you want to start a private practice, you need to, you need to start doing something like, and you can cook. So why don't you share some recipes? And that's how I started. I really didn't look in, you know, Instagram or social media beyond just being a resource. And then it opened an, a new world for me because I, you know, this is what, what's happening. And then, you know, I found you and I'm like, wow, you can use Instagram as, as, a, as a marketing source. I had no idea, <laughs> no idea about that. I like was just completely lost. I really never anticipated, you know, being more than just a small resource. And I'm like, oh, you know, maybe for my future clients, they'll see some recipes. I'll have a page where I can offer I never thought, you know, I never looked as beyond that until I saw your page and started seeing how, what, what other dietitians are doing. And wow, you know, first it's overwhelming, but then it's very empowering to see, um, you know, how you can help your niche. And, and, and that's really what, what I, you know, intend to do is, is use it as a resource now for the community that I'm serving, which are moms, moms in all walks of life. And I've always worked with, with women, and I enjoy that, that piece, that component since, you know, and I'm a, being a mom changed my life. So, and I, there's a lot of things that I wish I had known <laughs> when I became a new mom. And I think that that's why there, there's so much passion into sharing all these things from, from breastfeeding to feeding your kids to the, the picky eating to um, the lack of self-care that we that we go through as moms and, and, you know, just the way our, our life is. Sometimes we are just ingrained in this diet culture and in this vicious cycle of yo-yo dieting. And so more than ever, I feel the commitment to help these women that fall prey into all of these marketing. Absolutely. So, yeah. So it sounds like you've been able to pull from your experience and your passion and align 
you know, what you feel and how you can help women on a platform that doesn't have the same rules and restrictions that clinical does or the same policies that kind of don't make you feel good or put you in a box. So can you talk about, I understand that you didn't think it was as powerful as a tool. And then after you uh, overcame the overwhelm, you were able to process Instagram as an opportunity to reach these women. Can you talk about how you decided to, even in your bio, you're super clear with helping women with weight loss, you know, by flexible eating through meal plans and, and your services. Can you talk a little bit about why is that important to you and how does that help you get more clear with serving women and, and creating more impact and, and, you know, allowing yourself to create the income you deserve from using social media marketing? So yes, my, my last job was the, the, the tur- a turning point and an eye opener for me because sure. I saw a lot of need and, um, First, the, the first thought from being traumatized from all from this, you know, from the from the weight loss program, I closed my mind and I said, I don't want to do this. I don't want anything to do with weight loss. I'm done with weight loss. But then I thought weight loss can happen if it's done the right way. Right. It can happen in a sustainable way. You can teach people how to move on past the whole idea that we have about weight loss. You can help people, you can guide them in the right direction. And that's what motivated me recently because everywhere I go, it doesn't matter if it's a restaurant, it doesn't matter if it's at work, it doesn't matter if it's at a meeting or with friends, or if you go to a restaurant, you hear this chit chat. Oh, I'm, I'm on this diet. I lost so such and such on this diet and I'm cutting out this and I'm cutting out that. And this only has certain calories. And, and that actually like, (laughs) it is, it's painful to hear. And so I, I kind of feel that commitment now that I know how it actually works. I feel like I want to help moms you know, break that cycle and, you know, come out of it and, and have a good resource, uh, a good coach, um, and, and really help with whatever goal it is. And, and I love that. And what helped you, if anything, even if just reflection and getting clear with identifying that you want to help moms, right? I know you said women, but even more specifically yes, moms, yes, yes, with yes. weight loss and flexible dieting, did that just take some reflection for you to say, you know what, I think that that would be a great way for me to position myself because, you know, I teach that positioning yourself by getting a little more clear and specific helps you stand out. So what helped you align with those components of what you do? Well, I think first the, the job, you know, the, the, my past job, my, my experience, but also, you know, as a mom and my own experience, like trying to balance the stress, the, you know, the, the keeping up with eating healthy or, you know, fitting a certain standard. Um, it, it, it all blends in on the, the role of being a mom. And I think that clicked with me a, a little more um, that we can, we can have a balance in our life if we don't stress too much about it. And if we, you know, are committed to doing one small thing. We can do a small change. We can have a small goal. We don't need to overwhelm ourselves. And I used to be that person that from being too overwhelmed and looking for perfection, that doesn't allow you to move forward. So 
I think that, you know, if you, if you're looking for perfection, you're never co- going to come out of the, of the comfort zone, whatever, yeah. you, whatever you're doing. Yeah. And, and, forward. and yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. And one other thing I wanted to talk about or touch on briefly is I know you and I have spoke about how you feel that you've started on Instagram like later, like you could have done it earlier. I mean, you could have started a private practice earlier. Is there anything that you feel held you back or was challenging for you to break through that? Like, was it the fact that you were conditioned or is it that you, you know, were told in school, what held you back from using social media sooner? And because, you know, there's passion with it, there's a personal connection. And then also there's the fact that there's no rules in red tape, like there is in clinical. So knowing the opportunity that you have, why did it take you so long to show up the way you are now? think excuses, <laughs> excuses. And <laughs> again, I, I think it's been a little bit of, of everything, but the excuses of not having a, a set plan. Have you heard that saying that if you have a goal without a plan, it's just like a wish or a dream? Yeah. Like I've, I've been a dreamer for such a long time. And everything like that you could possibly think of I put in the way of starting anything I think it came more from fear from fear of not knowing what to do what to offer how to charge um having you know all the things that come with you know marketing yourself I'm like okay you're you're put out there so now what are you going to do what are you going to offer these absolutely And so now that you have a plan and clarity with Instagram, does, do you feel better given that there is a lot of overwhelm when you're starting a practice or when you're starting on your own and when you're, you know, putting out content and you're adding value in the form of whether it's meal planning or services, um, how does it feel to know that you have a clear message as far as your niche of who you're helping and how you're helping them? Does that give you some type of relief Yes, it does. It gives relief and it it gives clarity. And I, I love Instagram um, from the fact that, you know, being a bilingual mom, a bilingual wife, a bilingual friend, um, my circles have always been bilingual. What I love about Instagram is that it's a picture. And so a picture has no language. And I feel like it's a great way to connect with, um, you know, with, with the moms that I'm serving, um, because it sends a clear message. And now that I have a clear message of what I'm going to do on social media, it feels so much better. Like I can actually put out there a message, whether it's with meal planning, with a recipe, or just a message to get people engaged in, in, you know, in my services, I, I have more clarity and I think that it's always a working progress. I know I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> I'm do. really yep. just a fresh starter. I, I'm just starting. Um, but, but I feel more confident now because I have more clarity That's great. On, on my niche. Yeah. And, and we're all, you know, we're all a work in progress. So everybody, all of us dietitians on our journey, we're all, you know, trying to get more clear or trying to increase sales, trying to increase visibility. For many of you listening, you're trying to get started. You're trying to show your face. 
And when you share your story, Alma, and you connect with dietitians and share with them your international journey as a mom, as somebody who's you know experienced some setbacks in clinical and continued and still shows up on social and is determined to get a message and be a part of the community and engage with other dietitians, that's inspiring for the listeners because it gives them hope and lets them know that they can do that too, whether they're also a mom or whether they're not. And you know that's part of what we do as dietitians is we got to empower one another and let each yeah. other know that, you know, we're here to support each other, whether it's like listening to our stories on, on air or, or whether it's, you know, engaging and, and sending you a direct message on Instagram or both. Yeah. That was something really huge for me when, cause you know, I didn't know about you until I got my Instagram account and I, you know, I went to your page, I started listening to your podcast. I'm like, wow, this is wonderful. You know, and the old me, I, I would have never thought about reaching out to you, reaching, you know, out to people. And that was the first thing that I started doing last year to get, some, you know, my, my name or a presence out there. Um, I actually never thought that I was capable of doing it from being hidden, you know, in, in my comfort zone. And actually the first person that I reached out to last year is a fellow dietitian entrepreneur um, Ashley Koff, who was like motivating me to start a private practice. And when she asked me, do you have a website? And I went completely, I'll never forget this. My face froze. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't have a website. I don't know how to, I don't know how to build a website. You know, I was very nervous. I'm like, okay, I'm doomed. I don't have a website. Um, and, and we kept in touch and I did translations for her and, and I told her that I was bilingual and that her tools were great and I would love to have a tool in Spanish if I saw Spanish speaking clients. And so I, I started, you know, working for her and, um, and, and I've been, been kind of drawn to start and to start, but it's been excuse after excuse after excuse. And I remember clearly when she told me, when she asked me about the website, instead of looking for resources and to help myself, you know, not necessarily build the website, but hey, what are you gonna do about the website? How, we, how can you have another stream out there? I went in ahead and applied for another job, <laughs> which is the current job that, that I have. But you know, it, it's okay. I, I, I really actually like my job right now. And I purposefully decided to start working part-time because I knew in my mind that I wanted to still be a mom to start a, a side hustle and now to be committed to this because in the past it was just a dream and now I am committed and I really want to, to start. And well. yeah, and, and you are, and you're showing up and you have a clear message and you have a passion. And I think that reflecting on all of these experiences about before you started social and when you started social are just extremely relatable for all of us listening, wherever we are on our journey, whether we're also just starting or we can reflect on, you know, a year or two ago when we just started. Uh, so thank you for, for sharing your stories with us, hashtag clinical stories and your experiences. Do you have any (laughs) final kind of takeaways that you want to share with the listeners about anything that you think would be helpful for them if they're struggling with making excuses or hiding or just feeling uh, defeated? Because sometimes that's how we feel as dietitians and it's tough. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been there. I think we, we all at a point deep down want to do something else as dietitians. Um, And what I would, you know, tell the listeners, especially the ones you know, who feel stuck at a job um, or are not happy that you can actually get out and you can, you can create it. 
I, I know that there's many dietitians that love their job and they want to stay there and, and, you know, I've, kudos to them. Um, but if you're stuck in that place of, you know, not being happy or want to do something different, you have the capability and there's a lot of resources. So um, it, all it takes is just taking baby steps. I know that there's a lot of dietitians out there who are, you know, diving into it after school and that's amazing. So if that, the more resources that they have, the better they can do it. But, you know, maybe from my, my generation, the, the old, you know, older dietitians, I would encourage them if it's still a dream for you to, you know, quit a job or start something new or even do a side hustle because you can do both. You can do anything. So, um, so yeah, go ahead and, and, and start. And there's a great community out there and absolutely we need to support each other. Yep. They're out there and you're out there. So thank you so much, Alma, for joining today. And uh, I'll make sure to, to put your uh, information in the show notes so everybody can go thank and follow you. for having me. <laughs> if you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.